COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. I am Dr. A.D. And I am Dr. Sharice Roper. And I am Dr. Michael Haygood. How hey we doing? There. How we How's doing? How we doing? Today? This is a great sunny day. How about, how about for you? It's going well. The weather's good and people seem to be... You know, doing okay, driving nice today. I don't know. Normally, it's kind of look crazy, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's a good day. What Absolutely. about you, Michael? I got good energy. Good, good energy. energy. Happy Saturday, everybody. Happy, Happy Saturday. Saturday. So, you know, um, the pandemic, of course, we had so many um, unfortunate events. People have died, um, moved on, uh, relocated because of jobs, searches, losing houses and homes. And, you know, um, but then when there's ever adversity, there's always always triumph in the end. So yeah. I had an opportunity to sit in on some interviews for jobs because I noticed in the community there are so many job opportunities I'm noticing. Yeah, I'm seeing them too. You're seeing them also? Mm -hmm. so I'm seeing them I, I just, you, you've all been in uh, positions of sitting on panels and been panelists and created interview questions. So my question to you is what makes a good interview for you? What do you think? What what should a person out there who's looking for a job, what should they know? That's a great so, question. I think there's yes. two components for me. Okay. There's the actual question and answers, mm -hmm. which yes. needs to, you know, sort of contain knowledge of the job, responsibilities. Also, that includes your experience. So all the qualifications that have to do with you being qualified for the job and then mm -hmm. being able to answer those questions that I think have to do with the job responsibilities. The other part of it is relatability for me. If I, you know, somehow can relate to you, maybe you've um, had a situation where you've either been in a similar job or something that has prepared you for this job, mm -hmm. and you can speak to that, and I see some relatability, and I can see you in the position yes. um, because of the way you've conveyed your answers. There has to be a connection. I need to be able to kind of feel your your intentions, right. your personality. It needs to be a good fit. So I'm looking at it in two different ways. Mm -hmm. um, two, so tell me those two ways again. One would be relatability. Relatability. You know, relatability. I want to make sure as an interviewer that mm -hmm. I can see you in mm -hmm. that position, mm -hmm. being able to not only relate to others as I'm seeing you relate to me right now. Okay. So I'm, I'm judging that. I'm judging how are people that you, if you're a boss, how are the people under you or working with you going to be able to work with you? I need to see that relatability, your personality, the way you speak, the way that you have patience, mm -hmm. because you're going to be working with coworkers. So how can you do that? Or you know, no, Doctor Roper, you go, you go next. Tell me what. Tell me your parts. So the thing, I think what Michael is saying is spot on. Sometimes you'll hear people say they're looking for someone that ha that's a good fit, mm -hmm. and I think that good fit has to do with all that you you're, he mentioned. You know how the um, organization or the whatever that position is and the people also involved, how we all work together. We know today in today's times, there's a lot that has to do with um, collaboration, working together in teams, no matter what the job is or what the position is. No longer do we just kind of work in silos. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be able, um, I think, to 
convey that you've got some flexibility. So when you're interviewing, if you only speak to one specific thing, Mm -hmm. it may come off as being inflexible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would also say, you know, what Michael mentioned about making sure that you know what the job is asking. When you get the uh, flyer or whatever the announcement is, read the announcement. (laughs) Read and ask yourself, what do I know about the things that they're asking me to do? Because they'll tell you what your job, you know, what the position is, is um, entails. So do you have those skills and can you speak to those skills and can you give details? Often where I think people miss it is they go in and they give generic information. Right. Oh, yeah, I worked, mm-hmm. you know, and blah, 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 blah. But what are the things that make you stand out? What are the real details that you have done? And then try to make sure that you're speaking about you and not always just someone else. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, and on the, you know, whatever, my um, administrator mm-hmm. had me do blah, 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 blah. Right. What initiative, what innovativeness do you have and that you bring to, mm-hmm. you know, the situation? Mm-hmm. And I would also say, just to add, I would actually, since you, you know, you just touched on something that made me have an aha moment. Me personally, when I've interviewed in the past, I have to admit, I'm actually, um, 60 40 I think as far as a percentage of those two paths that I was talking about that are important the knowledge path of experience and skills and so forth and then the personality relatability I usually pretty much pick people who are on the relatability personality side I can train people to get the experience Uh I can train and get people to get those skills that knowledge-based information is is good it's great But I need to have people that I know know the work and have been in the work and have known the people and work well with other people because of the actual comfortability of sliding into a position that they already know and they work well with others. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people who probably look at relatability higher than knowledge and skills. Absolutely. You pull that that from the details. I like that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I, I don't want you to just tell me what the job description is. I want you to tell me about you. Correct and how you've done the work and how you've changed or whatever it is. And that's probably why case scenario questions are probably the best. You know, you can actually put a person in a situation, whether they've been in it or not, they can actually speak to what would they, what would they do if they actually got the job and this happened and this occurred. Then I can kind of, excuse me, see their sort of social emotional leadership. That's if you're a skilled panelist because not every panelist can listen to a case scenario. So for example, um, and, and be able to extract out the skill set that you're looking for, but they'll just say, oh, well, we're, we're not used to that kind of answer because it doesn't apply to, like, maybe a school setting. Right. But this person clearly demonstrate the skill set, the knowledge, and the ability to handle the task that we are looking for yes. in a school mm-hmm. setting. But you, as a panelist, you're just so close-minded or not. You yourself, yourself don't have the... Um, ability to hear and extract out what you need to listen to for you know the job that you're asking for so that's my question my question is a panelist so we know what makes a good interviewee what do you think makes a good interviewer I think what makes a good interviewer and I think um going back to one of my answers that I just sort of mentioned and I'll elaborate a little bit more I think what makes a good panelist is someone who can purposely script and purposely coordinate an interview session so that they get the best out of the interviewee. Mm -hmm. It's not a trap. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a place where you want to set someone up. Right. You want to see the positive intentions and the positive experience and the positive skills. Right. Um, so that the person can speak to it. So you don't want to be intimidating. You don't want to make the questions too high order. You don't want mm-hmm. them to be too inle- intellectually too you know, high, too yeah. long, and so forth. You want to get to know this candidate. And that mm-hmm. candidate will be able to express themselves. And hopefully, as I said before, in a way that sort of gets you the opportunity to be able to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Without the skills, without the experience. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Where do they come from? Because that's just, just as important. Mm-hmm. Their background, you know, where they live, what's transportation going to be like for them. All of those things to me, um, the social emotional ramifications of this leader, this person that I'm hiring into a new team and a new group makes much more sense for me than it does them being able to sort of check all the boxes when it comes to the responsibilities and duties and intellectual position or, or capabilities of the job. Mm-hmm. You know? And Dr. Roper. And I like oh, to, sorry. and I'm going to add this part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I like to do when I'm setting up for interviews is I always want to make sure that the space is situated in such a way that it's not just like this whole long line of people, right? 15 people with this one person on the other side, just kind of looking at us. Right. So, um, just have just enough people to really be able to calibrate the answers. And then I always start with a bottle of water. I make sure that, or, you know, a glass of water. Yeah, comfort is important. Make sure that they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I always try to say, you know, just relax. I know that we're always nervous. This is a nice, you know, space. And we just want to hear from you those things that you know, you know. Um, So I think that's important, too, because... Let's face it, everybody's not necessarily a good interviewee yeah, or right. you know, a person who interviews. And so I want them to feel comfortable enough so that I really can get the best candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes your best one just didn't do as well as you thought mm-hmm. that, you know, or they thought that they would do. And on that note, I would also offer back to the interviewee um, to run through and practice interviewing yeah stand in front of a mirror Mm -hmm. ask a friend Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt you to practice so Mm -hmm. that you do feel comfortable Mm -hmm. because i mean you don't know the questions but you do know what the position asked for right so you can kind of make up some questions Mm -hmm. or something just to practice that whole feeling of interviewing with somebody else so that it's just rolling off your tongue and you feel more relaxed are you okay with an interviewee asking to clarify the questions or do you believe oh you should just understand that question you should know that so i also believe that you should have the questions written out for them yes especially if you have double or multiple questions within one right Uh so if you have it written because you've got your questions that you're asking why don't you put that on the table tape it down or whatever so Mm -hmm. they can't take it with them but have it there so that that if there is some ambiguity in some way they can reference it Mm -hmm. look back to it and especially like i said if you have multiple questions Mm -hmm. within that one Mm -hmm. question but to answer the your what you said Mm -hmm. if they ask me to clarify of course i'm gonna clarify Mm -hmm. you know people are nervous absolutely and Mm so um you know which brings me to the point i was gonna make about making sure that you sort of involve all of the emotions and the range of emotions that a person would have in an interview Mm -hmm. allow them to laugh or make them laugh for a minute you know when they're asking them for water 
you know, and, and you say, hey, would you like a bottle of water? And they say, no, no thanks, or whatever. You know, make a joke. Would you like some champagne? You know, lighten it up for a minute <laughs> so they can actually get a laugh for a minute so they can just calm down and be able to express themselves. Clearly, I find all of that inclusive of a good interview. Mm-hmm. I think that some, I'll give you an example of when I actually was a panelist and I was in charge of a panel and I'd coordinated, I'd made the wrong choice. And I made the wrong choice because this person checked all the boxes. They were intellectually sound, smart, came across as a very effective leader in conversation in the interview, Mm -hmm. talked about all the skills, all the regulations that the job had sort of mandated. We make sure we pay attention to it. All these things this person did. What I did not notice was they weren't robotic, but I should have noticed that the answers like rolled off of their tongue so easily that they had all of the knowledge in the world. Mm. The personality was missing for me even in the interview, and I went ahead and I hired this person. And what actually ended up happening was because they were actually a leader of a team. It wasn't just a position I was hiring a specialist where they worked in a co-op situation by themselves mostly. This Mm -hmm. was a situation where a person was a leader of a team. And unfortunately, I made the wrong decision because that person did not have the social emotional leadership qualities that I would have wanted. So this person was someone who knew what the work was on paper, really hadn't even experienced it in their own life. They just knew what the work entailed. And they were able to speak to it in an interview. So I would warn that that also is not uh, something that you need to be really mindful of. Mm -hmm. Hiring someone because they check all the boxes does not necessarily mean that they're going to be able to Mm -hmm. be a good leader or relate to a team or Mm -hmm. have those kind of, you know, things that you really, those characteristics that are really important. I always find that even though we interview maybe for 10, 15 minutes at a time, Mm -hmm. I'm literally able to, and I don't know if this is discerning or discernment, but I can kind of see past what the person is saying and really get right. to know the person. Right. And right. that's important to me. Right. Really important because typically your calls as a coordinator are going to come when it sort of falls apart. And the fall apart is not going to be because they didn't know a particular responsibility of the job. It's going to be getting along with each other. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. conflict that happens when you get people together. Mm-hmm. So those are my answers. Those are some great mm-hmm. questions. Somebody interviewing this week? or Well, yeah, I sat in on some interviews oh, okay. and, um, as a panel list, and it just gave me just a lot of questions, even like self-awareness for me. How do I remove some of my biases about a person or, you know, appearances and say, oh, they look like they may be... Um, too kind or maybe they would be a pushover so even you know keeping yourself in checks being Mm -hmm. Mm self-aware making sure i monitor my biases or you know some assumptions and listen listen to the person sometimes you can listen to what they didn't say Mm. what they were saying in us like giving a case scenario answering the question but you know they did certain steps, and you know because of my own experience, you may not have said that one piece, but I know you had to have done that to get to there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I so, do. You know, so just listening to that and not say, well, they, they didn't say it. They didn't say it. You know, the person didn't say it. No, but you know good and well you can't drive the car if you didn't start it up. Right. You, even, although so she didn't say, true. She and you know what else you're like, thinking, making me think of is just right. – how much um, you said monitoring my own biases. Mm-hmm. That was the phrase that got me out of what just came out of your mouth, Ayana. And I find that to be, I'm trying to do that, not just with the subject at hand that we're speaking of, but in many things. Right now, I mm-hmm. find myself, and most of us probably do in the world, in debates, you know, mm-hmm. about what's right and what's oh. wrong. There's so much going on with the divisiveness and all the issues that are yeah. coming to surface on the planet, particularly in California. And so it's, it's making me make sure that even though I enter into a conversation with you, Sharice, or you, Ayana, or you, Sean, 
and I'm, I'm actually on the opposite side and that we disagree. I'm also making sure that I'm monitoring my own biases as I'm doing Absolutely. that. That's something I, that I typically don't do. I just sort of lead in with my opinion. This right, is what right, it is. Right. But I have to remember that I'm coming to it with my perspective. Right. And my sp- perspective is increasingly and crazily slanted from yours. It's entirely different. Mm-hmm. And so when we come to this, I, I appreciate so much those three words. You know, I might right. put that on my license plate Does as a monitor. Monitor like your being, biases. And doesn't it feel like we're being um, so segregated now? Yes. Re- like religiously. Yes. Yes. Like gender. Compartmentalized. Sex, yep. You know, yep. men versus yep. women. Yep. And yep. It just seems a little. Yep. It doesn't. It does. Seem gay versus right. straight. Gay versus straight. You know, it's so much going on with the pro-abortion folks and yeah. people who pro-choice. Pro it's a lot going on. Religious, not religious. It's a lot going on. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a little um, uh, gun controls, these uh, streetcar takeovers where I feel like Gas. that's a sign of some type of um, society rebellion. Have you guys been following that? Say that one more time. So there, there's this, in, in, you know, in Compton and parts of Los Angeles and Gardena, they're having these street um, car takeovers. So where they get together, I don't know if they tweet each other or text, and they come in one place and they just do donuts. They just take over. Oh, they just oh. take like over side, side shows. Yeah. They're, they're now they're calling them street takeovers. But at you know at, at one o'clock in the morning, two, three, and I hear them all night. And a, a girl, two young women were killed. I know in my area, where they're just doing donuts all night and just taking over, damaging the streets. It's very loud. You smell this. Is rubber. it a response from something, or is it just play it's and happening, fun? It's playing fun, but I think that it's just. Um, I just see it as a, a, a defiance. It's a movement. For, mm. It seems like it's a movement mm. for th- these group of people, and it's 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 really um, spreading. It's a city. It's been actually happening a long time um, because Crenshaw would have yep. it for that area, but what happens is eventually the authorities move them, so then they find another place to go. So it may be that you're experiencing it on a different side of town, so to speak. Or maybe well, it's, it's very, very specific to yeah. springs and summers, too. Yeah. You don't see it as much, from my experience, in the yeah, fall and the winter, but you do in the spring and the summer, and maybe it's because more people are off and out. Side yeah. shows. Well, it's happening, and now it's happening where it seems as though it's they're doing it at like the same time where you know you know authorities can't get to the same place all the time. So it's it's it seems very organized. Where well, I know the one on Crenshaw by Darina Smith. So it's it's been when I lived in Lamar Park, it was typically like Sharice was saying in the spring and the summer, mm-hmm. but also throughout the year they would do it. And I think you're right. I think that. You know, well, those social kind media is playing a part Absolutely. in the whole now Absolutely. It's more places. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think the act is is it's, not it's new. old. No, no. It's old no, act. the act is not new, but yeah. I do want to speak to what you were mentioning about <laughs> um having sort of a rebellious movement. I'm feeling yeah. that too. I'm feeling like mm-hmm. it's starting to swell and I think that that movement is taking its momentum from looking at the government. You know, um, looking at all of the things that are happening that are sort of out of people's control. I used to feel sort of in control about some things, even though it wasn't under my control. Like, I just felt like, okay, at least America was somewhere that was safe. I don't feel that at all no more. 
and I doesn't mean where I was living, but I mean even from the government, even mm-hmm. from police. I you mean, feel protected. For, I don't feel protected, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I feel like a lot that's going on is a rebellious underswelling where people just don't trust mm-hmm. anymore. So, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Is sort of the attitude. What does it matter if I do this? No one really cares. My president is doing this. My the Congress is doing this. You know, Trump is doing this. So, what's the whole point? They're allowing him to get away with it. So, what's the point? I mean, literally. We have a ex-president who is up under I don't know how many charges, how many things have happened that he has done wrong, but yet he is completely still able to, in their opinion, to get away with it. Right. So what's what's the problem if I go up to the corner store and, and just put a little soda in my little jacket? I mean, what's right. really going to happen? Like That's, how you said it first was called Sideshow, now it's called Street Takeover. Absolutely. The, the worst, taking over. Absolutely. So. You're right. And they watched it on national TV. People try to take over the government. I mean, things are happening like this now Mm. where I woke up and USC and UCLA are now in the Big Ten. And I was like, what (laughs) is going on? Literally. I mean, that's all over the news. But I mean, I do feel like, though, as I'm hearing. You didn't hear? No. USC and UCLA have moved to the Pac out of the Pac-12. Okay, wait, hold that thought. (laughs) We gonna come back to that, listeners. Finish your thought. Sorry, I had to interject that. Go ahead. For me, what comes up because I'm just listening, and the first thing that I'm thinking is, so what are we gonna do about it? Because either we just continue to let it just keep it's swelling it's swelling it's going can i ask you a question since you're right there yeah is it what are we going to do about it or is it what am i going to do about it i think there's there's a part that i need to play and there's a part that we need to play um because i can't do it by myself right starts with one though but yes the power of one right So as we three are sitting here and we three are talking about it, what are we going to do about it? And it's not something that we have to answer today. Correct. But it is something that I think that we um, need to, like, really be thinking about. And what does, and it may not be that it has to be, like, wow, really big, but what can I do in my own setting? What can I do in my own seat? What can I do in my own space that supports and helps others to feel a little less, because it makes me feel, like, stressed, right? Yeah. Or it brings us a, a sense of anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. And we know, folks of color, what happens when the community is really anxious. Mm, yes, we do. Right? It swells into a major revolt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Um, we have a voice right now. You know, yeah. we have this platform um, where we can at least... And, and listeners, we are working on getting calling in and, absolutely. and having people come out and, and also some guest speak speakers. With us absolutely, because there is a need for us to move to something more than just you know us kind of just sitting and talking about it. Um, and then what? Right? Correct. Um, so that's that was just running through my head. Just had to put no, that no. Out you there. hit it right on the point. I think you hit it right on the head yeah. because uh, the eye for me has been about what can I do, which is why I sort of you know. I, you know, getting back to the sort of why I think I, I feel I'm on the planet is an invitation for me to then do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I see myself going back to the whole youth empowerment mm-hmm. and making sure that for yes. me it would be about working with youth in an engaging way that it's outside of a district or outside. Sure. How can I help young people in a way that says maybe I want to start my own business, maybe I want to start my own, you know, youth group, whatever that is. Right. We need to do it. It's time to move. I right, think you're right. 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 Ayana, you were going to say? You were going to ask something. So sorry. No, I was stuck on 
back Big Ten and the Pac twelve. Right, right. So now we could go back to that. So you were saying the Big Ten, the Pac-12. I was actually saying and what led into me actually thinking about it and coming up is it's all over the news. Obviously it's the hottest news in LA right now. Uh, beyond the gas prices, beyond the war, mm-hmm. how many more, you know, do I need right, to line right, up right. as far as things that are going on? But yeah, I woke up um yesterday, um, after a fantastic night out, I must say. Oh. Um, thank you um, for that wonderful date. Uh, um, I woke up and there was news and it started at 6 a.m. in the morning and it was USC and UCLA are moving to the Big Ten. And for the people in the sports world, we already know the implications of we're like, what? We are literally moving. The closest school that we're going to play, Sharice, and I don't know, you guys may not know the Big Ten world, but the Big Ten world is like Nebraska, not Kansas, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, that mid part of the country. Right. Whereas we're in the West, so the closest place that we actually would travel for any game, not just football, not just basketball. Right. Is water polo. Everything would be flying to Nebraska just for a game. That's unheard of. And the reason why it happened, and I'm, I'm going to say something that you've never heard me say, and you will never hear me say ever again. <laughs> okay. Hats off to USC. Because oh. USC initiated this move. They followed the money. And they also mm-hmm. followed what was going on in the country. You can either get on board. Or you can miss the train. So this is a good thing. It's an excellent thing for USC and UCLA. People are going to knock it because obviously we're leaving a tradition of the Pac-12. We used to play, and I used to go to those games every year at the Rose Bowl when we would play against those Big Ten teams. Well, now we're playing them in the regular season, which is going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. They're going to be bringing 30 and 40,000 fans. Yeah, we're going to definitely have to level, level up, up because now the competition is much more severe. So let me but ask. the money that is coming to UCLA and US, USC, millions now that they've actually been able to get because of the thing that we had talked about before, ladies, on this panel, the NIL, which we need to yeah. get really more uh, yeah. understanding about. That's what's actually under this. Okay. So speaking of that, I was talking to someone recently about the NIL And there was a perspective that he brought that I hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that when it's all about the money, then what makes the student think about the really realistically think about the educational piece that they need to also really be successful in, in the long run? Because we know that not every USC athlete is going to make it into the you know the big pros where you get the big big money and all of that so you're sacrificing in a sense you're sacrificing some other pieces that could be important to you just for that you know the fame right this moment that may not take you where you ultimately want to go and, and I, I will was say, like, wow, I hadn't thought about it like that. So true. And that actually is the. And um, he used the words kind of like back to slavery kind of thing. Yeah, in the yeah. Conversation yeah. Absolutely. Too. I mean, the, all that's involved in yes. this kind of takeover by NIL being becoming the new law in sports world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, um, the one thing that I can say about your comments, Sharice, and about um, the young man who actually had this conversation with you is that's a holistic view of college athletic sports, which is now gone. I hate to be a, mm. a, a naysayer and say that it's been dumped in the trash, but it has. When I say follow the money, that's where college sports has mm-hmm. now gone. Mm-hmm. They are following the money. A high school athlete mm-hmm. 
in Georgia just got offered $8 million high school to play football. Mm-hmm. High school. Right. He's going to get an $8 million deal from mm-hmm. NIL. Now, obviously, based on your comment, we as educators, we as people who actually watch youth, we make sure that we observe youth, we make sure that we train youth, we make sure that we empower youth. We're looking at this with a side eye like, wait a minute, $8 million, how is this student going to stay really focused mm-hmm. right. on the real lessons of, of, of college, which would be, or high school, which would be make sure you get those skills, the knowledge, so you have a foundation to go fall back on. You may hurt your leg, get injured. Right. That career may be over. Right. No one actually is paying attention to that right now, Sharice. They are all purposely looking at the money. And, here's the, other, and here's the other part to that, though, right? Mm-hmm. The other piece is, at that age, you don't know how to manage that kind at of all. money. And... Before you're even out there, good, it's gone, it's spent, it's Well, ruined. I believe it goes in a trust. I believe they can't touch it till right. they're 18. Um, I think 18 or 21, I'm not sure of the age. But even that tells you that most of the decisions now, even high school, school students are now even contemplating leaving high school early. Right. To actually get these kinds of right. careers that are it's, being offered. But so it's going to be like, a domino effect. Yeah, but, but where but are we going with I this? I dated an athlete in, uh, through college. And, you know, the distraction of being hungry, for one, mm. the distraction of still having to, to pay bills and to live, Correct. you know, once they got an apartment and, you know, they can't have a yeah. job and, you know, not financially because they're on this scholarship is no double dipping. So I was there to watch them. So, you know, just not having coins to go wash clothes, do laundry. Correct. And I do think that in some They went way, from nothing to, to a lot, to, to a from, whole to, lot. But yeah, that's what all and, college and so, students do who come. So now, and you know, but, I'm going to always go back. So the athlete now is the only one who can get that kind of support. Yeah, but how would you no, pay for groceries? They didn't even have groceries. How paying for groceries? How did you pay for groceries? The thing about is that they're generating money for the school. They're generating big money. They the needed school. to find is a happy medium. I think I agree with you, Ayana. That other, that other <laughs> ethnic group. So let me ask you this question, not. Sharice. Then based on where you're standing now in the conversation, would you say that you much more stand on the side of, I did it. College athletes should yeah, be able but to I do to it. Work out. I, I you know, practice. I made it without That's any income. Maybe I had a side job. Okay, tell me what you were saying. See, I did work three jobs. I did. And I'm not going to go just way to the left or way to the right. Right. I think that you have to put parameters. So I like the idea of the trust because that means that you really can't do a whole lot just yet. I would say that there, you know, I would, and I know it's not going to happen, but I know what happens to our people with money like that. We're always the ones that are bankrupt. We're always the ones that don't have. There's only a small percentage that really does it right. So are they, you know, give me, give them some financial work, planning workshops or something. Yeah, they you know get what that. I mean? They get that anyway. No, they don't. Yes, they do. All, All sports right. athletes, I think, is part of their program. They get a career planning sort of. But you know how it goes. Come on, right? You hand it to them. You go read that, and you hope that they do or something like that. I'm talking about, like, real, a financial planner who yeah, sits with you, you and, and really mm-hmm. talks yes. about. Yes. Some will. And stays you with know. you. Right. And stays with right. you, yeah. Right. So Doesn't leave you. It's not res- one session. You Some become will. responsible. You also realize <laughs> that um, there are. 
it's not like I have this money and I can just go do, you know, you, there is, there's property taxes every year that come around if you decide to buy your mother a home, right? Or whatever it is, just that real financial kind of stuff that helps you to navigate and to not feel as anxious. Because if you don't know what you're doing with the money and then you're just spending it out like it's water, then later you're like, wait a minute. I'm sure there's some type of criteria. There is. I would hope so. I'm sure there's some guidelines, but I do, I, I do land on the side that says that what was was terrible and i agree with what you were saying ayana i do know of many college athletes who just simply left too early to go pro because of the same reason they couldn't afford it you know they just literally were were, you know who and i know this for us because of where we are in our lives and the age Mm -hmm. that we are probably Mm -hmm. forgot Mm -hmm. but remember college remember when or no, but we're at a certain college. age where if you think back, I mean, I'm trying to think back and I remember being a college athlete and I wasn't in the situation that these particular college athletes are, but I can only imagine on the weekend once school is over and I'm going out with my friends and they got major money because they're not a college athletes. You know what I mean? And I am the only one that's broke and poor because I have no job. I'm spending my entire time training for a career yeah. That I may have. Well, they had and I'm actually doing this for a college that is making major money off yeah, me. It's true. And so there needs to be some sort of payback to these students and families to say that we're investing to you. Has it gone too far? Probably. It's a But has it have, should it have that's been? Yeah, that's a, a lot. That's it should be something. On the families. Yeah. You don't need that I, much I to go there to There should college. have been a happy medium, and I think they went. What? You don't need $8 million to go to college. No, but if you turn on ESPN right now, all of the commentators are all livid at what's going on because the NIL has, has left. They've left the farm. Right. It's literally they cannot stop the race. Now, the horse is gone. The race has started, and yeah. they are rounding the track. You know? Well, yeah. hopefully if it will start generations of wealth for people who, you know, um, have come from total, totally disadvantaged and low-income um, areas and conditions. Hopefully this will start a generation of wealth for families. Yeah, and I think it will. And the last thing I'll say on the topic is go Bruins. <laughs> right on, Trojans. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, listen, we are no longer neutral. We're going to keep following this, though. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll we definitely us. will. Yes, yeah, we, we are. We definitely we'll will because the season's coming up. And we're going to see we'll how both of those teams are doing and what's happening with the monies and so forth. Absolutely. Right. Well, follow us, rate, and subscribe to No Longer Neutral. And we're out. We're out. We'll see you later. See follow you us. Later. See you soon. <laughs>